0: Welcome back to another episode of Into the Airbnb, where we talk with Airbnb hosts about their short-term rental experience. Our guest for today is Jennifer O'Reilly from Harper's Ferry, West Virginia, who remotely manages an Airbnb unit in Louisiana, Florida. Today, she'll share with us her unique themed cabin and how her special amenities gives her guests an unforgettable stay. This episode is sponsored by Airbnb, the only one analytics dashboard for short-term rental investors and managers, where you can find precise Airbnb data such as occupancy rate, revenue, average daily rate, and so on. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Can you tell me how did you get started on Airbnb?
1: Well, my husband and I had about almost a dozen long-term rentals. And we actually bought one five years ago, a house that we were going to renovate. And we wanted to do an Airbnb with it, but we just weren't sure. We hadn't gotten into it yet. And we weren't sure if it was the right area. So although we got it all ready to go, we decided to just do a long-term rental with that as well. But last, about a year and a half ago, my husband's father, my father-in-law built a log cabin at Lake Anna in Virginia. And he built it in started building in 85. He built it log by log himself um, and he finished. And then he sold it in 2007. We ended up contacting the owner and he, we just said, you know, if you ever want to sell it back, sell it. So it turned out he was looking to sell it. And we were blessed with the opportunity to purchase it back into the family, but we weren't going to be able to, we wanted to do it as a rental opportunity and, and get into the Airbnb market. So we decided to just go ahead and do it. So we spent about two, three months getting it ready to go. And, you know, it has worked out really well. We're looking to do additional ones now.
0: According to your experience, would you rather um, short-term rentals or long-term rental? Short-term rentals are awesome and
1: and, and they're really exciting. If it's a I guess it would depend on the area. Um, Long-term rentals have their advantages as well, but I think short-term rentals are definitely more lucrative, and I would love to do it full-time and and even maybe manage some, but certainly um, own more short-term rentals.
0: Okay, great. Currently, in the area you're hosting, which you told me was Louisa, Virginia, right? Yes. How is the seasonality like there?
1: So, um... We weren't really sure. I mean, we we vacationed down there a lot, so we weren't sure how the winter was. so it's a it's a summer, spring, summer high season. Um, you know most people go for the lakes. So we weren't really sure how the winter would do, but we had pretty much every weekend it was booked. More so just weekends in the winter, but we had people that just wanted to go to the, a cabin in the woods, you know, we offer a fireplace indoors and an outdoor fireplace. So we were really pleasantly surprised at how much interest there was through the winter months, which is typically the slower months there.
0: Oh, so it's a cabin in the woods.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's on an acre. So there are
0: neighbors, but it's,
1: it's very wooded. It's about a block from the lake there's not a lot of things like winter activities like skiing stuff close by but we did definitely had a lot of people that just kind of wanted a retreat to get away to in the winter and we had towards the fall and early spring we've had some people who do a lot of fishing so Mm -hmm. that has sort of been an additional market that we really hadn't thought about but we did sort of make some additions to the uh, airbnb to accommodate and market to those types of renters
0: Oh, and can I ask which changes you made for
1: that? Yeah, so um, we took one of the bedrooms, you know, they just had pretty simple decor. We focused that one on fishing. We got a lot of antique fishing lures and then also some additional fishing lures. And we have a a whole wall of them and, and we left a sign for people that if they want to swap out, for a fishing lure, and maybe leave a note about why that's a interesting fishing lure. there's a some people have left sentimental fishing lures. They've just sort of swapped out what we have for something of theirs, and it's kind of been this neat little quirk and we also we've got kayaks. one of them is a fishing kayak, so you can take the kayak out and go fishing. Then our community has a local boat ramp so people can bring their boats by. We've left. A small fishing boat as well that we haven't left for our guests yet, but we're we're considering maybe even adding that in. We're just not sure about insurance and liability yet, but that's something else we're considering.
0: Oh, that's great! As a cabin, what experiences do you offer? Um, well, so the main experience that most
1: people who come down to our lake for is really just the the lake, the water, the summer boating. Most people who've have really been interested in the summer. Some people have asked for boat rental places, which we do have in our online guest book, but we also have had people that brought their own boats, but we have a, a four person golf cart with seat belts that people can use to get down to the lake. Um, our community offers, has a, a beach on the lake. So people have, you know, with, with smaller kids have come down for a week to just take their kids to the, the beach and they've also, there's a state park down the street. So that's something that's very interesting for people we're very close to a pretty large amusement park that people will go to and stay at our place. We have an outdoor fire pit with six out-around deck chairs that people love. We also have a, a hibachi grill and a grill on the back. The hibachi grill has been somewhat interesting. People will definitely like to use that. And then inside we have a wide array, probably 40 different games, old games, new games, games from home when I was a kid that, that are fun to play. And we have little reading note, people with some some old books. Again, we've got a note there that says, take a book, leave a book. So if somebody's in the middle of reading a new book that we have, we encourage them to take it with them and maybe leave a book that they're interested in and someone else could use. So we just have things like that throughout the cabin that are kind of interesting and unique, I think, to, to our Airbnb.
0: Yeah, I agree. Those are really unique. This is actually my first time hearing about many of those. And how has been your experience? I... Hard to you mention a fireplace,
1: right? Yeah, we have an indoor fireplace. It's a two-story fireplace, you know, so it's pretty open and, and big. We do leave mm-hmm. firewood for our guests to use, both outdoors, we have some outdoors. We lost a few trees this summer, uh, winter, so we cut those up and we have them out, out front for the guests to use. And we also have plenty of stacked firewood right by the door so people can, can have a fire um, inside that, you know, they don't have to worry about going and buying firewood or figuring out who sells it and things like that, so.
0: Mm-hmm. And how has been your experience with that, with the fireplace and also the grill? Because I know these are like two main things hosts are really afraid about having and uh, relying on the guests with those fire-related things. So
1: we, we did have a fire, outdoor fire warning where you were not allowed to have fires outdoors uh, before four o'clock just because they wanted to keep the, you know, risk down for people having big fires during the day. And on windy days, you know, occasionally they'll put in a no fire warning and we communicate with our guests to let them know that. We've had no problems with the fireplace. We did have one guest say that it would, the flu was dirty. So we had our chimney company come out and take a look that, that afternoon. But we've had many guests and they've all, most all of them have used the fire. We had one a group of, I think there were six or eight lawyers, law students, from Washington DC that came down and they had never had a fire before so we walked them through it over the phone and and what to do and then we have good neighbors that if there was ever an issue you know they're they're next door and we were always in contact with them but but we did have that one group that got a little nervous about how to put the fire out before they went to bed so they did use the fire extinguisher we have fire extinguisher by the fire just for safety purposes uh, right there then we also have one in the in the on each level one in the kitchen and then one upstairs just for you mm-hmm. know, added safety for for our guests. But we're pretty quick to respond and make sure that if they have any issues that or they're not sure how to do something, we will walk them through it. Then I do have instructions on how to work the fireplace. You know, how to open the flue and check to see if that's open. So I have those mm-hmm. instructions in our guest book, just for our guests, added safety. And we do uh, put the guest book right in
0: front of the fireplace. That's a great strategy. And um, you told me there was an amusement park. Near you, right? Near your um, listing location? Yes,
1: King's Dominion is um, about 20 minutes away from us, I think. Um, But Mm -hmm. I haven't, we've only had one guest that actually came to stay with us to go there. But, you know, she wanted to take her daughter on a little retreat and take her to the amusement park. And so she was, you know, really thought our cabin gives it that fun experience of a place to stay. So,
0: Mm -hmm. Is it a popular area for Airbnb or short-term rentals in general?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, when I started doing the research on, you know, looking at comparable places and stuff, there's definitely two markets. There's the on the water experience, you know, which is going to be very high, high price. And then there's the, you know, standard house uh, to rent. And then we were kind of in the middle. Um, We started out renting at the lower end of the houses around our area because we didn't, you know, we wanted to build up a reputation, but we have found that Because we offer this, you know, log cabin, you can see the whole entire, you know, the logs throughout the whole cabin. There's no drywall or anything. And then, you know, we have pictures throughout the cabin of when it was being built. So we kind of found that we're sort of in this niche market where we're not obviously gonna be charging the same as you would pay to go stay on the water, but we also have sort of a unique themed cabin that sort of offers itself to more amenities and a little bit higher than the other Airbnbs.
0: Uh-huh. And now that you mentioned about price throughout the year, how is your pricing strategy like? So we, when we first
1: started out, we, like I said, we were a little bit lower. I'm just trying to get some reviews up and, and to get a good reputation. And we we're just filling the market out. But after, because we, we did it at the end of the summer, we ended up buying it sort of in the middle of the summer. So through the winter, we sort of tested out different theories, you know, going up a little bit above the the price range that we had been at, um, and that seemed to work really well. So we, you know, moved that price point up a little bit more, and just sort of found a good good niche where um, we were getting bookings, but we weren't kind of getting that younger partying crowd. So we've we've kind of just sort of played with it a little bit. For, for our first summer, we did four days minimum, but now that we've got sort of a base and we've got a lot of reviews, we've sort of moved that to a five day, or even considering going to a week for the summers.
0: Oh, because summer is low season, right?
1: No, summer is the high season. Winter is low season. The winter we were booked every weekend. Uh, Most our average rental was about four or five days. I see.
0: And now in the high season, how is your occupancy rate like?
1: Yeah, we're pretty much booked every week. We do have sort of in the beginning of the summer, end of May, early June, some five-day weekend rentals. Um, And then we're booked pretty much through the the summer um, with some already when uh fall dates filling up now
0: and is this five day minimum because of convenience or is there any reason why you don't do single nights or two nights minimum
1: yeah so uh, just through our research we found that two one night and two night minimums you know you're, the people that come to our area are going to want to be there for a little bit right our cabin sort of offers this really relaxing kind of homey it's just an experience and, and we one, we, we really worked hard to work with, find a good cleaning company um, and our cleaning company is phenomenal. So we didn't want to do back-to-back bookings. That was something we knew we wanted that one day in between for, for them to get in there and do, you know, the right kind of turnover. So, but we didn't want to end up where we had Fridays or Saturdays that weren't booked or even Sundays. So we've just found that, you know, we get that niche is usually couples or families with older kids we've had a few families with younger kids but so far we haven't had any weekends really that don't get booked for the five days but when we did do the three days three day minimum we're pretty booked it's just we sort of ended up with that friday saturday sunday group and you lost the people that wanted a week because if you know somebody doesn't want to come on a monday so you know we found that just that longer booking really got us more higher i I, the less partying crowd Yes, I understand completely.
0: And I forgot to ask you, in the low season, how is your average occupancy rate like?
1: So in the low season, we do allow three nights. So we do Mm -hmm. do three-night bookings. We really don't have too many weekends that we're not booked. The weekends that we aren't booked, like we'll have like one every couple of months and we'll run down there and do some maintenance, especially in the winter. We had a couple weekends where we had a huge snowstorm. So we actually ironically didn't have someone that weekend. And we were concerned we wouldn't, we would have snow, a lot of snow the following weekend, but it turned out we were communicating with our, our guests that were coming in then just so that they knew, you know, if the roads were clear and stuff, but they came down and they they uh, had a great time, even though we had a lot of snow. So we, we do do three-day bookings in the winter, and, and most of those people just are looking for a, a getaway weekend. So most of the winter is pretty much weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday are the high high nights.
0: And what about the activities to do in the winter? Or is there any particular thing around, any attraction around your area?
1: There are, you know, there's a lot of antiquing. There's, I mean, the wineries and the breweries are are plentiful around there. It's certainly um, becoming more and more the case in the last year. I think we've had three new breweries open up within a 10 mile radius and about four or five wineries. So that there, but for the most part, what I've sort of noticed, you know, based on the questions that the guests asked us, they really are just looking for a a place to get away a couple hours from Washington, DC. Most of them live in in the DC area and they work in the DC area. So they're. Most of our guests in the winter tend to be people that kind of want to come just get away from everything but not have to go too far and they don't want to fly. So they're just looking for some place to kind of unplug.
0: I understand. That's nice. I think your listing is pretty nice for that.
1: Yes, it is.
0: And can you tell me, in all these years being an Airbnb host, what have been your top challenges while learning Airbnb?
1: we live 2 hours away so we have a contactless you know they just self check in we have a keypad on the front door and when they get the code is usually the last four of their phone number so i think that has been a challenge just not being able to like greet the guest and then you know we've had a couple guests that have Six guests, they mark down, but they end up with 10 people and our occupancy is seven. That's pretty much the the maximum we want to have. So that's been a challenge, you know, just how do you handle that? And some of the other things that we've had to kind of learn on the fly, you know, we added a, a Wi-Fi hot water gauge so we could turn it off when people aren't there and we're not heating the water. So that's been a, a nice kind of helpful way to save money and you're not heating water for four days when you don't have a guest. And then we, we do leave a gift basket when they come and we leave a little basket for this sink with dishwashing stuff, soap, sponge, things like that, hand sanitizer we added. And then we leave a, a basket for each bathroom and the laundry laundry area. We leave, you know, sort of starter stuff. If you're going to stay for more than a week, you know, we'll leave a little bit more. Um, so we, we've kind of worked with our cleaning company to sort of implement those so it's quick for them. Some of the other things that we've sort of had a challenge with and we've worked through, but, you know, the we have seven beds. So we have five, uh, six full beds and one queen bed. And so when we have those beds, you know, we have to turn them over. That's a lot of washing the comforters and the blankets. And even we'll rewash the, the blankets that are in the drawers, you know, for extra warmth. We'll wash all of those as well. So that's been a little challenge, you know, to have our cleaning company have to wait for the laundry. So we bought duplicates of everything and we pay the cleaning company to bring them home and wash that. She washes them at home. Um, We did look into getting a laundry service, but it just seemed to be kind of hard and cumbersome to coordinate that with our cleaning company. So we just pay her to bring them home and, and wash them, especially with COVID. You know, we've been a little bit more aware of things that our guests might want to be reassured about, that the blankets and the towels have all been re- rewashed. So so we've made extra steps to make sure that they know that they're clean and, and rewashed. And then also that, you know, there's plenty of them for them as well. So we have extra sheets in the, in the basement near the laundry room on top of it all so that if they do need to wash their sheets while they're there, you know, they have new for, sheets to put on the bed. So I think those are really the, the biggest challenges. I've just been trying to work out those, you know, how to do those extra things for people and, and not have a huge investment in the cleaning fees. Um, we actually pay, I think, probably on the higher end of most people, our area, because it's right outside of Washington, D.C., it, you know, you're paying between $100 and $200 for each cleaning fee. So in the beginning, we charged our guests about 100 of that and then we paid the other 100. But as we went through, you know, every few months, we'd, we'd raise it $20 and just kind of feel it out, see if we noticed a drop in reservations. And now we're, we charge the $200 that, that we, we pay her because we found that our guests really, they do appreciate the extra mile that we go and they're willing to pay that fee for, to have those comforts. You know, we leave in the basement, we have a huge basket of, of different things that our guests may forget from toothpaste to cough drops to, uh, you know, Tums, just things they may have forgotten. You know, our area has one grocery store at a 20 minute radius. So if they've realized they've forgotten something, they're not going to be able to just run to the store at midnight and find a 7-Eleven. So we try to leave all that for them and we leave spices for them. So the, you know, we've had a little bit of some kinks. We had one guest take probably all 25 spices with them. So that was, that was a little bit of a shock. You know, our cleaning company ran out and got newspaper spices for us because we couldn't get there in time. Uh, same thing uh-huh. with the gift basket, the forget basket down in the basement. We had a guest take the entire basket, including the basket. We have <laughs> signs saying, you know, please take what you need, leave the rest. That that one guest, I guess, took it all. So our cleaning company, again, she jumped in and restocked it. And, and now we have a good turnover service. So she has a, a stock in the back where she can go replenish it if she needs to. Like she doesn't have to to go out and do that.
0: Oh, that's great. I'd like to ask you about your cleaning company or cleaning personally. How did you manage to get a good one? Because many hosts struggle with that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing for me was, and honestly, my husband and I disagreed about this. He thought 200 was ridiculous, but, but I kind of feel like, you know, the cleaning company is one of the most important aspects, right? Like I can decorate it. I can do all those things. But if somebody walks in and the dishes are dirty or there's knives that aren't clean, you know, that's going to leave the impression for our guests that we are not, you know, doing everything we can to make their stay top-notch. So I interviewed probably 30 different cleaning companies. One, I needed to find someone that was gonna be flexible, but I also wanted to find someone that was going to treat it like it was their it was their Airbnb. You know, I didn't want someone that was gonna sort of act like, well, you know, they're not gonna see the work, so it's gonna be the guests that taking shortcuts I mean, our cleaning company has been phenomenal. And the one that we ended up choosing, they came out, We, I interviewed them over the phone and then we had a few people come out that we met with and her and her husband came out. You know, they were both sort of that instant, like you could tell that they had a very high integrity and they really did value their work. And they, I think, appreciated the fact that we valued them as well. So, uh-huh. you know, they dropped off, you know, a, a whole cord of firewood and stacked it for us. They, they uh, used a blower to clean off the driveway from all the leaves. They clean off the deck. They've repaired our chair when it broke. So, I mean, for us, it was, we really wanted a company that was going to be above and beyond a cleaning company. That was kind of going to take that extra step. I mean, we had a toilet seat that broke, they fixed it. I mean, we paid them for it, but they fixed it. We had a a chair that broke, her husband came and he fixed it. So it's sort of that partnership that is really important to me and making sure that, you know, they knew that they were the face of our company, right? They're the face of our Airbnb. Um, they're the last person that shuts the door before our guests walk in. So they have to have that integrity where they know that that is huge importance, right? They're not trying to like do a fast one, right? So, I mean, I've had same cleaning company issues with my own house where if I'm at work, you know, I don't see something and my my uh, cleaning company has taken shortcuts and stuff. So that was really important to us was to make sure that it was a relationship between us and it wasn't just that I didn't value their work. And I think you know, I read a lot of people that think 60 bucks a turnover is too much. And I mean, I've had to do a turnover myself. I did one same day turnover because our, our cleaning company was out of town. And I mean, it was exhausting. It wasn't even, I don't even know if you could pay me $200 to do it. I mean, I was for an hour and 45 minutes or maybe it was two hours and 45 minutes. I was nonstop running up and down the stairs cleaning for, you know, like these people were going to drive into the driveway any minute. Um, and it was, it was a lot of work.
0: Yeah, cleanliness like is one of the most important things when it comes to Airbnb because there's no space for mistakes or errors when it comes to guests they can get they can come in and look at their knife like you say and they're going to leave a bad review absolutely mm-hmm. and
1: you know when they walk into the, the Airbnb you want them to have this like oh my god it's better than it was in the pictures right I mean I know that's I see exactly. a lot of people taking professional pictures which is great but if your pictures are going to look better than your place when they walk in that's going to stick with them they're going to be like oh I mean it's cool but it's not better than I expected like you want them to walk in and be like wow like I want to move into this house and then I also want them mm-hmm. to feel like I want them to feel like they're home right I don't want it to be so cold that they don't feel like it's home. Um, and I think over the last few months, even some of that we have, we have a guest book for our guests to write about their favorite memory. And then also just a note to other guests. And every single one of them has said that we, that our cabin blew them away from their expectations. You know, this has been the best Airbnb experience they've had. And that's sort of, I think one of the things we strive for in partnership with our cleaning company is we want to give our guests an experience. We want them to have an experience where, when they think about their vacation last summer, they remember our cabin. You know, we we actually were Airbnb guests for many years before we owned our first Airbnb, and so those were kind of the things that stuck with me. Is like, you know, the location, the things that they did that sort of made me like, wow, that they took away all the stress. Like, we have Tupperware, we have um, paper plates, plastic silverware. We have we have all the you know nice silverware and stuff too. But we offer spices. We offer. Ziploc bags those kind of things that like you know people don't want to have to run out and buy one of everything they don't want to buy tupperware when they're out they just want to have a place to put their leftovers so we try to just do all that stuff so when they come come to our place they don't have to think about anything but relaxing
0: yeah i agree with that those those things you offer are really like cherry on top of every booking you have right absolutely so lastly i'd like to ask you are there any tips that you'd like to share for other airbnb hosts
1: Yeah, I guess I would say One thing that I've found that really people have commented on, and I think I didn't think about this at first, but we named our cabin Naughty Pines. And, you know, my kids and my husband were kind of like, doesn't really need a name, but we named Naughty Pines because obviously there's, you know, it's all, it's a pine cabin. But we sort of incorporated that into every aspect. So we had signs with a logo and the name. We made the guests kind of almost feel like it was their cabin. So I guess one of the things too is I spent a lot of time doing the guest book, which I think I could have just used what Airbnb has, you know, the the places you can fill out because um, I don't think a ton of people actually look at it these days. They basically, you know, Google Lake Anna, what to do. One of the things I'm working on now is instead of the guest book, and I spent a lot of time on my guest book, but instead of that, having QR code that pops up, you know, places to eat, and then they can just scan the QR code for, for it'll come up on their phone, you know, like restaurants do nowadays. Um, so I spent a lot of time making a really nice guest book. And then when COVID happened, people don't wanna thumb through a book that other people were kind of thumbing through. So that would be one thing is I wouldn't spend too much time on that, but I would make sure to incorporate your personality, your your home's personality into all the different aspects from like the checkout list with your logo on it, kind of making it warm and inviting. We have a, a QR code, little cute. We made them at Vistaprint and they weren't very much money. But a $50 off their next visit if they um, take a card and scan the card. We also have um, $100 off any referral. So little things like that, I wasn't sure if they'd really work, but people take them. They We've had several return visits and we've had, I think, one or two referrals. So those little things. And then also... Just the extra things, you know, having baskets of things for people if they forget them, giving them a quick, you know, little basket for when they when they first get there. It's a quick win for them to get a, a welcome basket. You know, we have two towels in there folded nicely, some snacks, some chapstick, bath salt, um, because we have a really nice coffee tub for them. And guests always comment on how much they appreciated that. And nine times out of 10, they leave the things in the basket anyway. So, you know, we'll redo kits and things like that but just little little kits for their first night for coffee. So they have sugar or Splenda or creamer so that if they get there late, they don't have to go out and buy those things. So I think spending more time and energy on those things. Um, I've seen a lot of people over-decorate and I would say simplicity, but still having things people would like like a closet full of games. You know, for us, seafood is big in the summer. So we have a bowl in a cabinet full of hammers, so those little crab hammers so people can have crabs there. So just kind of, I think, thinking about the things that people would do and providing those extra accommodations for them, it really makes them kind of go, wow, they thought of everything. And nine times out of 10, they don't actually use them. But them knowing that you went out of your way to think about that stuff just makes it all go, you know, even the cost of the guests we've had that have had trouble at our place, one guest actually lost locked the, themselves out, and we didn't have a key oh. there. We didn't have a key there, so they, they dead bolted the lock, and they didn't have a key, so we had to drive down at like 10 o'clock at night um, and bring them the key. But because we had done, and they had eight people that had to sit in their cars and wait because we had no way for them to get in. Now, we've since left a key with a neighbor, but we had so many things that they made, in their mind, made them think, wow, this place went above and beyond that they didn't even mind that they had to sit in the car for two hours. Like, they, you know, you would, we would have thought for sure that we were going to get a bad review there, but we got a stellar review from them because they just felt like we really took it that extra step I think that the last piece of advice I'd have for people is there's a fine line between it's a business and you're a host. And I think people get lost in that. You know, they think, oh, no, it's a cancellation policy. I'm going to stick to it. And nobody knows what what guests, what you accommodated for other guests. They don't know what you did. And there's no reason to necessarily go, and be, you know, think everybody's lying about why they had to cancel or guests who say, I don't know, the hot water wasn't hot enough. And so you give them a hundred dollars off. I mean, you don't have to do those things, but I really believe that those things are what kind of sets the successful runners from the ones that always end up having a headache or a hard time with Airbnb, because you end up sort of getting the kind of clientele that they complain about a lot of stuff. If, if a guest is thinking, wow, this was a phenomenal experience and I want to come back, they're not likely to complain. So that, that would be that's my right. advice for people is just, and I see a lot of this in the Airbnb, in the Airbnb chat, where people are just okay. so on one side of being a host that they forget they're hosting a family or a people, and this is maybe their only vacation in a year. And even though that's your job, you know, you still want it to be a good experience. You want people to leave there and think, like, that place I remembered four years ago because I
0: loved it so much. Yeah, that's right. I agree with that. Uh, those were great tips and that would be it for the day. Thank you for your time. Great. Thank you for your tips. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Into the Airbnb. We're looking for hosts and other people in the short-term rental industry to interview. If you had what we need and would like to share your experience in this podcast, please send us an email. All the info is at the end of the description.